so I, I really got clear on what do I stand for um, and really bringing that more. And I mean, I call it a political police, but I would just say a more social justice, a more collective lens to things was something that, you know, everyone who knows me closely knows that that's always been a big part of my identity. But bringing that out, um, what, that came out of that exercise and really seeing what, what frustrated me about my industry. This is the What Works podcast, and I'm your host, Tara Gentili. If you want to build a business that can stand the test of time, you need to figure out what works for you and your small company. That's why every week I talk with real small business owners about what's really working for them. I want to help you fill in all the details of how others do what they do so you can fill in the details that work for you. This week, my guest is Ali Shapiro. Ali is the founder of Truce with Food, host of top-ranked podcast Insatiable, a holistic nutritionist, an integrated health coach, and a rebel with a serious cause. She's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, where she earned her master's in organizational dynamics and developed her Truce with Food framework, which disrupts conventional approaches to behavior change. She also graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, the Institute for Psychology of Eating, and completed a mentorship in functional medicine and is a 26-year cancer survivor. She's academically, practically, and empathetically aware of how the medical system, diet culture, and body positivity movements all have their own flavor of crazy. Allie has recently led her business through repositioning and rebranding, a journey that most businesses will go on at some point, often more than once. She's expanded her brand from focusing on her Truce with Food program to encompassing the breadth of her work, which can be summed up as radical truth for every body. Since rebranding and repositioning is a common experience for small business owners, I wanted to find out what was working for Allie. We chatted about what she started to notice in the market that led to her decision to reposition her work, how her goal with repositioning wasn't about her, but instead about her customers, and how she hasn't shied away from the more political aspects of women's health and wellness. Be sure to pay special attention to how Allie always brings her brand and messaging back to her customers as the real heroes and stars of her work. And now let's find out what works for Ali Shapiro. Ali Shapiro, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Tara. I mean, as we were saying, like we've known each other for so long and it's great to see we're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Amen to that. All right. Well, speaking of that, you have been around for a while um, and you've done an amazing job of really making a name for yourself and your brand and really, you have such incredible, or you've had such incredible consistency. And I think uh, this, this conversation will prove you still have incredible consistency with your, with your brand, with your story, with the product uh, and programs that you offer. But at the same time, you decided to do some rebranding and repositioning this year. And that's what this conversation is going to be all about. But to give that some context, let's get clear on where you were at before you decided to make a change. Can you tell us where you were at with Truce with Food and really with your whole business kind of in the last year or two, 2016, 2017? Yeah. So to, to kind of take you pre-2016, as I had started Truce with Food, it had its first run in 2010, which was, it was a six-week program and it was focused mainly on the food and a little bit of the emotional piece. Um, and that happened to be the first year that I was in graduate school for change management, adult learning. Uh, My master's degree was actually in organizational development. So similar to your philosophy around business that not one thing works, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. As I was in graduate school, I was starting to get these like working with real clients at the same time, but also studying in graduate school. I was realizing that 
people's healing path is highly individualistic, right? So as I was kind of going, I was adding to Truce with Food, the program, as I went through graduate school, and the further I went, the further I was able to take people through their healing journey and really kind of give them a start to finish process rather than, um, which is actually a framework for figuring out what works best for them under two, um, two avenues. One, what foods work best for you from a medicine standpoint. And the second one is why are, what are these emotional patterns that are preventing you from prioritizing your health and wellness, right? Because a lot of us know what we need to do, but then how do you actually make that happen? And so I was kind of building my intellectual property um, in real time. And as I had this major discovery through my own client's experience and, and my own experience of, um, you know, I had cancer as a teenager and I, and I always say that entrepreneurship healed me as much as chemo did to cure me because whereas a lot of entrepreneurs their health um, gets worse as they build a business. Mine was getting better in these mm. really interesting ways. It doesn't mean I don't, you know, have perfect health or anything like that. But there, I realized that there was this resilience factor um, that as I became more resilient, um, I actually became healthier. And so I really started to see with my clients if I could help them with a research-based but client-proven process to focus on that emotional piece. Um, their healing was exponential. Um, this, for example, people who maybe had Hashimoto's or depression um, and they had done the food piece, but they still weren't getting the results that they wanted. When we paired it with this emotional transformation process, um, which relaxes your body on a physical level, but also then simplifies your health issues, um, and you get exponential process and you can really heal the same way that I had healed my own self from irritable bowel syndrome, depression, acne, all these stuff, these things that I had been able to reverse. So up until 2016, I was kind of still dancing around, not fully coming out and saying, look, this is really emo the emotional piece of this is as important as food. The food piece matters. Um, and I was a little hesitant because I was like, is anybody going to want to do this work? It's challenging. <laughs> um, and the more that my client said, this was a relief, like this was a place I could get answers that I couldn't get anywhere else. Um, that's when I decided to like take a step back and say, okay, I need to put a different stake in the ground and really show people the holistic picture of this rather than in the beginning, it was like, oh, more of an emphasis on the food. And now it's just an equal emphasis on, on both. Gotcha. Okay. So that kind of leads me into my, my next question around what did you start to notice that actually led you toward rebranding and repositioning? Because I, you know, it's, I think sometimes people will decide to do a rebrand or a reposition because they get bored or they, or they do it because things aren't working. But you saw something that was working and decided to amplify that. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I'm so glad you, you say that because I, being in this space now for 11 years, I think when things get hard often, when we're, people pivot, when really we need to like sink into the process mm. to really give people breakthrough things. I hear a lot of times people say, there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm like, have you been outside in the world? <laughs> like there's a lot of new things happening. Um, and I get it. It's hard to stay with it. It takes an incredible amount of, you know, faith. But what I was starting to notice was clients would say to me, oh my God, this is what I needed, but I didn't have language for. Um, I've worked with other coaches, but this finally got me unstuck. Uh, one client told me, you know, I've gotten more, I've gotten further along with your process in three weeks than 25 years of therapy. And I knew that what 
I was doing was different. I knew the process was different, but I didn't know how different the end result was, right? Everyone has a different how sometimes, um, but everything is in the execution, as you know, as a business owner. So I was noticing that. And then I was also noticing from an external standpoint, the market, the consumer market was really having this turning point. You know, when I first got into this, I was going into corporations and giving talks about how why nutrition mattered, right? I was like, hey, Uh guess what? You know, you can, you can use food to like feel better. And people were like, really? You know that. And so obviously a lot has changed in 11 years, but here, especially in the American market, you know, people aren't used to paying out of pocket for healthcare, right? It was kind of like you go to the doctor. Um, and what we were starting to realize if we're consumers who have been, I would say failed by traditional medicine. Um, and I mean that like, Western medicine is great if you get, you know, run over by a car or you have cancer like I did. It can be really helpful. But most people fall in this middle where they don't feel fantastic, but they don't, they're not like chronically, they're not in a heightened state of acute distress, right? But they don't, they can't, they don't want to continue on feeling so crappy. And so I started to realize that people were also willing to understand that some of these new offerings in the space of wellness offer value, not just procedures, right? Healthcare is you pretty much pay for getting an MRI or getting your blood work, but no one's telling you or promising you the value that you're going to get from that. And so there was this real mindset shift in the consumer market of like, oh my God, I'm going to go to alternative practitioners because I'm getting results there. So I I felt like there was this push and pull of I was getting better at what I was doing. And as I got clearer about what this was about, I was attracting the right people who were ready for this stuff or, you know, who wanted to take this route. And then the market was also uh, the collective mentality with the market was also matching that. Gotcha. Do you see yourself sort of as uh, on the edge of a wave that's kind of building but hasn't broken yet? Or do you, I I guess, where in this shift do you see your business and your ability to take advantage of that opportunity? Oh, I love that question. I mean, I see myself as really progressive. Um, When I got into this 11 years ago, again, the nutrition piece was 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 mind blowing for people, right? Wait, depression is inflammatory and we can, we can work with that with nutrition. Um, Hashimoto's I can reverse by changing my diet. And now um, I think, you know, in therapeutic circles, what I do, I always say what I do isn't therapy, but it's therapeutic. Um, You know, we've had like the ACE scores, which is your adverse childhood experience um, test. You can go online, anyone and see how much basically trauma you had as a child. And trauma doesn't have to be um, just violence and stuff. It can be, you know, a lot of different things. Um, But those scores were figured out. And that whole scoring test was found actually in an obesity clinic. They thought they were studying obesity. And then what researchers found was, Um, The minute people started to lose weight, that visibility was really traumatizing. Um, So therapeutic models have, have known this, but they haven't necessarily had the nutrition piece to help with anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, so I think it's still cutting edge. You know, one of the the cutting edge things in the market now is functional medicine. Everyone, most people who are, um, again, who have been kind of neglected from traditional medicine, which uh, to, 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 to defend <laughs> traditional medicine, it wasn't designed for the kind of chronic illnesses that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but people aren't getting answers with their doctors. Everyone has heard of functional medicine. And while functional medicine, I apprenticed in that for four years. And that that original framework helped me heal my gut, heal my hormones. Though that mentality is still like, let's just look at the physical point uh, piece of this and not the emotional piece of why people struggle with food, alcohol, whatever. Um, 
So I think it's still very avant-garde to uh, to integrate the two. Although it was really interesting as I was watching this preview for Oprah, uh, one of her um, her pieces for 60 Minutes this Sunday is going to be about trauma um, and how so many issues that we don't understand, that we, we can't we think our other issues are actually about unresolved trauma that we all, you know, kind of go through. Because one of the biggest learnings I've learned is our culture is just not very emotionally intelligent, um, Western um, American culture. So Oprah was like so excited about this trauma thing um, and saying that like it's changed the way she's done done her schooling. It's to change the way she's approaching philanthropy because everyone's trying to solve the the, the different problem. Um, and so I was like, oh, if Oprah is talking about this now, she didn't make the connection between food and health challenges. Um, we know people who have autoimmune issues like uh, Hashimoto's lupus. That, um, MS, they have a very high ACE score of like two or higher. The people that I work with who really battle food um, have had trauma in their past. Um, And so it's starting to get out there, but no one has really connected it to to battling food. The the general mentality is it's still a willpower and discipline issue. Um, And so I still think I'm, I'm ahead of the curve because not only is it how do we what is the problem? But then how do we actually solve it um, is another issue. Mm, fascinating. <laughs> I could listen to you talk about that all day long. Um, but let's get back to rebranding and repositioning. Uh, not that that wasn't about that. That was totally about that. But um, I'm just not going to go down that rabbit hole as I am cur- currently tempted to do. Um, I want to ask you one uh, one other thing about um, your answer to a previous question, which you, you mentioned that your clients were starting to give you feedback um, sort of in a new way where they were noticing those the, that the emotional component, that the therapeutic component of what you are offering was what was making a difference for them. Um, Was that sort of just anecdotal that you were noticing those things? Or did you do some sort of customer research? Did you do customer interviews to dive into that a little bit further before you did your rebranding? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I have a very, like, my groups are very boutique level. So everyone, you know, a lot of my clients are like, I can't believe the personalized attention we get here compared to other group programs. So I have really really great relationships with my clients. And by the nature of our work, we're disclosing very intimate things, right? (laughs) Um, But it would also be like, hey, I went to my doctors and my Hashimoto's is in remission. Or I now want to get off my antidepressant because I've done the emotional and physical work. So, you know, in part of the process that that I work with clients is like, let's look at concrete data. This isn't just like, do I accept myself? Do I feel better? Like what metrics matter to you? So their blood results, their Western medicine results were coming back and differently. And they were also just performing differently in their life. They would say, you know, the, the changes here are affecting every area of my life. Like good areas have gone to great and the areas I was struggling with, I now feel like I have more control of. Um, so it, there was both concrete stuff and anecdotal stuff um, that that I was able to, to capture. And, and again, because I have that very close relationship with them, um, even to this day, they'll send me updates and they'll be like, oh my God, you know, this just keeps getting better. <laughs> so um, if our my clients, it, it forms a really tight community. Um, in fact, like the Truce with Food group group of the group program, they started their own Facebook group to stay in touch because they have this own language, they have this own understanding. And so I often will pop in there or they'll post updates. Um, So it's a great way for me to constantly see like how things are evolving um, as well. 
that, that's such a great, I, I'm so glad that you shared that because I, I think, you know, setting up your products, your programs so that they can be your own customer research lab at the same time that, you know, people are experiencing really great results and paying you for those really great results is a phenomenal way to become more efficient as a business owner, as a, uh, as a creator, um, someone who is doing product development. So, so smart. And, and thank you so much for sharing that. All right. So let's get uh, to the specifics now of this repositioning and rebranding um, that you're sort of toward the end of. Um, when you started thinking about making real changes to how you presented your brand publicly, how you talked about what it is that you're doing, what was your goal there? What did you outwardly, what what did you want to achieve by making those changes? Yeah. So Again, I wanted for people, I wanted there to be a clear option C for people. So in this space, which I'm in, which is overlaps coaching and overlaps nutrition and overlaps um, body positivity coaching, body acceptance, right? It's like it, it overlaps traditional healthcare. There's a lot of markets that it overlaps. Yet what I found in the market and, and what clients told me, they felt their only choices were either I go into diet culture or I go to my doctor who tells me to eat less and move more, which is like, no kidding. I, I like, I haven't heard that right before. Um, so I either take this like very traditional route that is not working, or I go to option B, which is body positivity, self-acceptance, um, which, which unfortunately can often mean resignation. Like I Mm -hmm. just have to live with this pain. I mean, even something like mindfulness and mindfulness is super effective. Um, but mindfulness also sometimes asks you to, to deny your pain. It's saying like, okay, how can you detach from it? Rather I'm saying, no, we've got to examine that. So people felt like they had two, at least my clients. And and, and again, some of this stuff might work for other people, but my clients were like, ugh, I'm willing to do the work if I have a clear path forward. Um, And so I wanted people to see there's an option C. You don't have to go to either extreme. I I kind of joke moderation is the new radical. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, like, and not that this process is intense, but it leads to a moderate path of health being in the background of your life, not the focus. You don't have to be drinking green smoothies every day. You don't have to be spending thousands of dollars on cleanses and detoxes. Like you can just learn to do the basic things of get good sleep, eat mostly, you know, fruits and vegetables and healthy fats and proteins, if that works for you and, and have a really emotionally rich life. Um, that's, that's not sensational. It's really rewarding and really fun, but that's not what, what we think of as health, right? (laughs) Right. And so I wanted people to see that there you have an option C and this is how this is different. Because what I've also realized um, in paying attention to clients and listening to their objections of joining Truce with Food is, oh, look, Allie, I believe you. You know, you went to Penn, you've got these credentials, you've healed yourself, you've been getting great client results, but I don't trust myself not to fail at this. And I was like, oh, other people are saying things are different, but they're not always different. And so I wanted people to really communicate. I wanted to really communicate how this was different. I love that you pointed that out. I know I've said that a few times now, but it's so important because again, a lot of times people will do a rebrand or a repositioning that's about them. They want to see themselves differently. They want to see their business differently. Maybe they want to take themselves more seriously. Maybe they want to project something more 
grandiose with their business and they feel that they've been projecting to this point. And what I hear you saying is that your decision and your goal with repositioning and rebranding was instead to help your customers see themselves differently, to help them see the possibilities differently, the opportunity differently. And that Whoa, so smart. Um, but also, you know, that's that's what having a brand is all about. It's not about you. It's about what your customers can see in themselves, right? And so, again, just so smart, so strategic uh, in terms of, and I think also very authentic and genuine too, um, in terms of how you're, you were uh, kind of um, considering what this rebrand really meant to you. What Works is brought to you by WP Engine. If you're ready to level up your web presence, your traffic, and your digital marketing, you're ready for WP Engine. I've been trusting my WordPress sites to WP Engine for over three years. Before I found WP Engine, I got started with the same kind of shared web hosting that makes starting a business so easy. But as my business grew, I didn't have the time or patience to keep fiddling with my website to make sure it was available for my customers. Worse, I was tired of my website cutting out just when I started launching a product. I was tired of the support that got less and less supportive by the month. And I was tired of always worrying about my website being hacked because someone else on my shared server was lax about their security. WP Engine takes the guesswork out of WordPress and plugin updates with automatic backups. They make editing your website easy with your personal staging area. And they give you the help you need with knowledgeable and friendly 24-7, 365 support. You can save 20% off your first payment by going to ideas.cocommercial.co slash WP Engine. That's ideas.cocommercial.co slash WP Engine. All business owners need help from time to time. In fact, most weeks you probably run into a challenge, obstacle, or setback that threatens your progress. And that means that most weeks you're looking for answers, help, or support to stay on track for your goals. But here's the thing. I firmly believe that the way you get support for your small business is broken. I believe all you should have to do is ask. You shouldn't have to wait for someone to develop an online course to solve your problem. You shouldn't have to spend hours Googling for answers. You shouldn't have to download freebie after freebie after freebie to piece together a plan. All you should have to do is ask. Now, trust me, I know that asking for help is hard. You might not have experienced or reliable folks to talk to. You might feel weird asking for support in public, or you might even have a hard time articulating your questions. That's why we created CoCommercial. CoCommercial is a private, dedicated support network for small business owners like you. We make it easy to connect with experienced and reliable people. In fact, 60% of our top members have been in business for three years or longer. We put you at ease because asking for help, receiving support, and encouraging you to learn out loud is what our network is all about. And our in-depth conversations make it possible to work out your real questions over time. And we do all this for about 90% less cost than online courses, programs, and coaching that have less support, less hands-on help, fewer special events, and fewer opportunities to learn too. But you don't have to take my word for it. When you join, give it a try, ask your questions, and attend some events. 
If you're not wowed by the depth of support, quality of connections, and the value of our events in the first 30 days, just let us know. We'll refund your membership fee. Are you ready to give it a try? Go to cocommercial.co to request your invitation. Once you join, remember, all you have to do is ask. Again, request your invitation today at cocommercial.co. So let's get into the the actual process of rebranding because it's not rebranding is not the same thing as getting a new website designed, right? There's there's a lot that goes into it. Um so what was what can you walk us through that process? Where did you start? Where are you right now? And kind of um you know, maybe some of the things that you didn't quite expect as part of this process. Yeah. So one of the first things I did um was I hired Jack McNeil. I think you know her. She is a a, a thought partner and she really helped she she specializes in repositioning and all that stuff. So I hired her and we really identified the the key archetypes of who my clients were. Um, And those two archetypes were like sage rebel people, which I loved. I I affectionately call us curious skeptics and bad joiners, right? (laughs) So we weren't the people who were like vegan, paleo. We're like, "Mm, maybe, you know, it's like, it's not that simple. Um, And so I worked with her um, to first identify the, the ideal client. And then she had had me write five things that really piss me off about my industry. <laughs> yes, I love that exercise. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I so I started writing things like, you know, this girlfriend advice. I, I, I think sometimes like this self-care has morphed into don't care. It's like you really think a bubble bath is going to take care of like these issues, right? <laughs> um, or like that there's one diet for everyone, um, or that like people were oversimplifying um the issue. Um, and then another big thing that came out of my repositioning was one of the issues I have with the self-development and coaching world is it tends to put all the emphasis on the individual um, while completely ignoring the collective nature of the culture that we grow in that 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 offers us self-limiting beliefs, but that also doesn't make it safe for us to explore the emotional inner terrain that we have, um, not to mention, you know, unclean water, unclean air, you know, all these things, you know, in, in, in part of the self-help industry, it's like, oh, if you get sick, you've attracted that, right? And it's like, uh, no, it's like, you, maybe you're drinking really polluted water. Um, so I, I really got clear on what do I stand for? Um, and really bringing that more... Co- and I mean, I call it a political police, but I would just say a more social justice, a more collective lens to things was something that, you know, everyone who knows me closely knows that that's always been a big part of my identity. But bringing that out, um, what, that came out of that exercise and really seeing what what frustrated me about my industry. Um, so I, I, I wrote that out and then I actually hired a copywriter. Um, and I, I'll just say for everyone, I mean, I hadn't really hired a lot of people to help me in the first 10 years of growing my business because I was just still finding what my process was and everything. And I finally hired people to help me because even though I'm a clear thinker and I'm a a pretty decent writer, um, I just couldn't get out of my own, like I couldn't get out of the weeds. I like to over explain and that's not great for, for website copy, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I gave, I gave Kate who I hired, um, like these clear things and she came up with a great positioning statement for me, which was radical truth for everybody with body being our 
our individual bodies, the environmental body, our, our political body. Um, and so it really operates on all three levels that, that I operate with people. Um, and then she gave me, you know, three positioning statements um, that that really helped me put a stake in the ground because I'm really good at tangents. And so I wanted everything to come back to that and these themes of freedom and rebellion, um, but a healthy rebellion. Uh, my clients aren't going to rebel just to, you know, I kind of joke, we're not the Harley Davidsons of the world. We're the people who are working, you know, a lot of my clients are doctors or therapists themselves, or they're working in academia um, or social justice themselves. They're working within a mainstream system and they're trying to reform it. And so I really wanted those themes to come out. And so that, that was kind of the first um, piece with that. And then I went and really just re and once I had those positioning statements, I started talking about this on my own podcast, Insatiable. I started writing about it. I started social media, you know, clipping about it, um, not social media clipping, sharing, I guess. Um, and I started to, again, to your point, being externally focused with clients, I started to see what resonated with people um, because you can talk about liberation and freedom and, and rebellion in a, a, a lot of different ways, but I started to see what made people go, huh, um, that, that sticks with me. So for example, like one of the, the observations I've had is that a lot of my clients think they are very self-aware because they're really great at managing their image and what looks good, um, which causes a lot of stress, which causes you depletion, which is why you eat. Um, but what I realized is they were very self-critical, but not self-aware. And so I would put that out there and people would be like, oh my God, that's, that, that's what's happening, right? So that's like a statement on my work, on my website right now of like, you're right, I'm self-critical, not necessarily self-aware. So even though I had these, these touchstones and this, this copy to figure out what to highlight and what to include, because again, I, I like to over-explain, I started to see what resonated in my posts on the, on the podcast. And what was really interesting is um, in, we, I started my podcast in 2016 and I had a co-host. And then around 2017, she she was a trainer and she was leaving to franchise her, her gym that she created. And so um, she wanted, she never wanted to get political on, on our podcast. Um, and in the 2016 election, it happened and she just didn't want to get political. Um, and again, not Republican Democrat, but like women's health issues. I mean, there's nothing more political <laughs> than a woman's body. Right. And so um, as, as, you know, as sad as it was to have her leave, I really also repositioned the podcast. Um, not from a design standpoint yet, but I said to people like, okay, this is, this is where we're going. And I had my copywriter write a new intro. Um, and I was a little nervous about it because I'm clearly opinionated. <laughs> um, but what I found was the people that started to, that my existing clients were like, I love this new format. I love that you're talking about these issues. Um, and then the clients that started coming to me would literally say like, I like your politics. Um, and again, it wasn't a Republican Democrat thing, but it's like, wait, why are women being dismissed in the medical system to the point that it's malpractice, right? Just being told you're an emotion, you're too emotional. Whereas like a man goes in with like a broken hand and he gets like fully worked up, right? right. Um, so I started to test this stuff to see really what to highlight and what themes to continue to repeat um, in that year before I actually really, um, I think, finalized the design and everything. So the design was the last piece of it. 
Gotcha. And I love what you said about the, the politics of this, too. And I want to go further into that as well. But, um, you know, I, I've got a very similar thing that I say about my business and my company as well, is that we're inherently political. But being political isn't the same thing as being partisan. Being political is about understanding where power lies and how we're working to shift who has power. And women being healthy and feeling confident and having energy to do the things that they want to do is an inherently political thing. Just as with me, you know, arming uh, small business owners with what they need to actually succeed and thrive in the world, that is also inherently political because these are people who do not currently have power. Um, so I, I love that, the, that this is a direction that you've gone and something that you've really picked up because not only does it seem to be a, a phenomenal opportunity right now to be talking about those things? But it's also, again, completely genuine and authentic and true to the work that you're doing. Can you tell us about a, maybe a specific decision that you made in the process of shifting your thinking, shifting how you present your brand that was inspired by kind of a renewed focus on feminism and ad advocacy and, and just politics with a small P um, in your work? Yeah. And I just want to kind of circle back to what you were saying about the po political. And I think this is really important is that when you start talking about who has power and who doesn't and, and why you've, why you've generated so much self-doubt or, or questioning of yourself, it actually opens up a lot of compassion and empathy for people. Mm -hmm. And that is really the, the path to healing. And so for, for those of us in the coaching space or the self-transformation space, when we don't, when we don't create space for that and try to tell people it has nothing to do with the systems and structures, I think we're actually hurting them. Um, so that's, that's something that I really think is, is, is an important line to see. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, that there's a real benefit to, to acknowledging that piece. Um, so yeah, um, so one, so I've done a lot of different things. Um, but I think, I think one of the, um, okay, from a political standpoint, um, so much, well, I mean, just talking about these topics on, on the podcast has been, has been pretty big and pretty, cha uh, um, pretty, pretty, monumental, I would say, in terms of people like, I don't hear anyone else talking about this stuff on the podcast, right? No one's talking about, um, for example, I'm creating a new graphic and, and for season two, I did, uh, the season was all around on the podcast, the feminist perspective. And I really laid out for people the nesting dolls of, we have these conventional health and beauty standards, right? That are pretty much like white, blonde, thin, and tall and drinking a green smoothie, right? And so that is a nesting doll of capitalism. And so capitalism is who has access to resources, who can afford, who can afford healthy eating, who lives in good neighborhoods that, that has walkability that you can be outside in an art violent or, you know, or lives where there's cleaner air. I mean, we all have issues with, with resources. And then I showed how, how within capitalism is the nesting doll of white supremacy and who gets, who gets, um, who gets better treatment? Who has? Who gets experimented on? Um, you know, all of these kind of things that, and, and white supremacy is a very charged issue for people. Um, but it's true, you know. And and then within white supremacy is patriarchy uh, of men over women. Um, and so that having a graphic around that and, and that being on my about page, so it's like, look, this, these are deeply intersectional feminist issues. Um, I think is one of the things that that will definitely repel some people and and make other people say finally someone's you know and not finally i'm kind of late 
I think I'm late to the intersectional feminism party, but, um, <laughs> but say like, okay, someone sees all of this. Um, yeah. and, and again, it helps people to start to realize this isn't all their fault. It's, it's not an excuse, but it gives us a different path forward. Yeah. I think there is a finally element to it. It's not that you're finally discovering these things or that you're finally the the one person saying them. But when a customer, when a potential client comes to your website, when maybe they haven't been introduced to these ideas before, or they've certainly never seen them tied to their health or their wellness or their well-being, there is an element of finally for them, right? And that's what positioning should always be about. It's when you are positioning your business, business in an effective way, you are somebody's finally, right? Finally, I found a solution. Finally, this feels right for me. You know, you talked about bad joiners and curious skeptics. And I feel like those are the people especially who want that sense of finally, and they're always just a little bit too far out or a little bit too skeptical or a little bit, you know, they, they, they're they never quite on board. And so when you can create that message or that graphic or that just overall world that resonates with them that's great positioning. And I mean, that's that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. And I, I do want to say something, especially because I know that you love emphasis on like customer feedback, is that this, it is so important to still get customer feedback. Because for example, I had two different logos I was deciding between. So I hired a designer who really, to me, would bring some energy to this, but also like cleanness, right? <laughs> but not so clean. Like she, she jokingly showed me one way we could go was like friendly medical. And I was like, uh, like, I feel like when people think of medical, they're like, that doesn't work, you know, but like, as I, so I made certain decisions that I knew, but when it came to the logo, I couldn't decide. There was one I really liked and it was a women's, a woman's body and there were bars over it. Right. And then it was going to animate with the bars being erased. And that's like really what we're doing. And I was like, I love this. It's dynamic, which is super meta about my process. It's dynamic. And I, I went to my clients in that, in that truth with food Facebook group. And I just said, Hey, what is your reaction to this? And it was so fascinating. Half the people were like, oh, if it animates, I get it. And these were clients who have worked with me and they know the process. And the other half were like, oh, she looks like she's not taking up enough space and you teach us to be up and out. It looks like she's ashamed looking downwards. And I was like talking to Carlos, my husband, and I was like, this is amazing. Like these people know everything about my work and they were still projecting a lot onto a woman's body. And he's like, yeah, you got to be careful because people <laughs> are going to bring their own their own meaning even to your icon and it's so loaded. And so I think that's why it's so important to get. So I, I didn't end up going with it um, because I just didn't want to turn people off before they they really understood what was it about. And so I think that's just an important point for people who are listening to like always ask your your customers and clients because even even your ideal clients are going to have a range. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So very, very true. All right. As we start to wrap up here, I'm curious what you see on the horizon for the rest of this year, maybe even looking beyond 2018. What can we expect to see from you? What can we expect to see from Truths with Food as, as the year unfolds? Yeah. So one of the big things that I realized in, in this is how do I, I wanted to create, um, fine tune the ecosystem of offerings that I offer so that the question I always ask myself is what will make someone a better client? 
right? So by the time they work with me privately or in truce with food, how are they primed? Because with healing, time is a valuable tool. You can't rush healing. Even though people would love five steps in five days, it doesn't work. So I will be repositioning my Curb Your Afternoon Cravings programs to freedom from cravings. And it will be um, still experimental based. Part of the big challenge of, of us with our health is we don't trust ourselves. And so my process has always been experimental based because you can start to trust that your body will give you the answers. So I'm doing that in the fall. Um, I am re- repositioning a program that I ran last fall. Um, it was called Truce with Food Tapas Style, but people were getting confused with, between that and Truce with Food. And it was just an introduction to make sure that this was the right fit for people so they wouldn't be so scared, you know, heading into a program wondering if it would work. But it's called Why Am I Eating This Now? So that will be oh, a – yeah. <laughs> and it's a real introduction into the Truce with Food methodology. And my new opt-in will be, you know, what's my comfort eating style quiz? Um, and I'm doing doing that so people can start to see how this really is different because I bring an adult development lens. So that's some new stuff. I'm also going to be licensing uh, Truce with Food to other coaches and healthcare practitioners practitioners. Um, yeah, like I said, a lot of my clients are physicians or therapists or health coaches themselves, and they want something, um, that's going to give them, give people the value that will enable them to be sufficient, um, small business owners as well. And then I'm working on my book. Uh, I'm still working on the proposal, but it's just, I want to write a book to grow my platform. However, you know, Tara, like it's not necessarily the most lucrative thing to do. (laughs) It'll pay off in the long run, (laughs) but it's kind of like, I'm having so much fun with, with the programs. And and that's where I get so much energy of like working with people and stuff. So um, I've got to finish that proposal though. (laughs) Yes, you do. I want to see that proposal finished because I think this is stuff that a lot more people need in their lives. And uh, I want to see you grow your platform too. So definitely get that done. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Well, Ali Shapiro, thank you so much for sharing what works for you and your business. Thank you for having me, Tara. It was great. Find out more about Ali Shapiro, Truce with Food, and Radical Truth for Everybody at AliShapiro.com. And be sure to listen to Ali's podcast, Insatiable, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy What Works. What Works is brought to you by CoCommercial. Okay, so what exactly is CoCommercial? CoCommercial is a social network, event producer, and support hub, especially for small business owners in the digital space. We know you want to turn the business you've started into something that will stand the test of time, provide for you and your family, and help your customers transform their lives or work. We connect you to people who get the obstacles you're facing as an entrepreneur. We produce events to educate, connect, and inspire you on your journey. We're a community of business owners who help you find creative solutions to your unique challenges without reinventing the wheel. Here's how it works. Step one, join co-commercial. Step two, share a challenge, obstacle, question, or setback you're currently facing in your business. Step three, get personalized answers from a diverse community of experienced business owners. Step four, never waste time on Google or Facebook trying to find answers for your business again. We're not another online course. We're not a free group where you get lost in a sea of self-promotion. We're not a cut and paste template for doing business online. And we're not aiming to teach you a hundred new things you don't have time for. We're here to support you on your journey. We help you get back on track and back to running, managing, and growing your business as quickly as possible. No fluff, 
just personalized, just-in-time answers to your biggest and smallest questions. Ready to give it a try? Request your invitation to the network today. Go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs, and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.